Hey, you're listening to episode 9 of the Urology Audio Guidelines Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Nick Serrano. In this episode, we'll discuss diagnosis and treatment of non-muscle invasive bladder cancer. Diagnosis 1. At the time of resection of suspected bladder cancer, a clinician should perform a thorough cystoscopic examination of a patient's entire urethra and bladder that evaluates and documents tumor size, location, configuration, number, and mucosal abnormalities. 2. At initial diagnosis of a patient with bladder cancer, a clinician should perform complete visual resection of the bladder tumors when technically feasible. 3. A clinician should perform upper urinary tract imaging as a component of the initial evaluation of a patient with bladder cancer. 4. In a patient with a history of NMIBC with normal cystoscopy and positive cytology, a clinician should consider prostatic urethral biopsies and upper tract imaging, as well as enhanced cystoscopic techniques like blue light, ureteroscopy, or random bladder biopsies. Risk stratification. 5. At the time of each occurrence or recurrence, a clinician should assign a clinical stage and classify a patient accordingly as low, intermediate, or high risk. Variant histologies. 6. An experienced genitourinary pathologist should review the pathology of a patient with any doubt in regards to variant or suspected variant histology, for example, micropapillary, nested, plasmacytoid, neuroendocrine, sarcomatoid, or extensive squamous or glandular differentiation, or the presence or absence of LVI. 7. If a bladder-sparing approach is being considered in a patient with variant histology, then a clinician should perform a restaging TURBT within 4-6 to six weeks of the initial TURBT. 8. Due to the high rate of upstaging associated with variant histology, a clinician should consider offering initial radical cystectomy. Urine markers after diagnosis of bladder cancer. 9. In surveillance of NMIBC, a clinician should not use urinary biomarkers in place of cystoscopic evaluation. 10. In a patient with a history of low-risk cancer and a normal cystoscopy, a clinician should not routinely use a urinary biomarker or cytology during surveillance. 11. In a patient with NMIBC, a clinician may use biomarkers to assess response to intravesical BCG and adjudicate equivocal cytology. TURBT and repeat resection. Timing, technique, goal, and indication. 12. In a patient with non-muscle invasive disease who underwent an incomplete initial resection with not all visible tumor being treated, a clinician should perform repeat transurethral resection or endoscopic treatment of all remaining tumor if technically feasible. 13. In a patient with high-risk, high-grade TA tumors, a clinician should consider performing repeat transurethral resection of the primary tumor site within six weeks of the initial TURBT. 14. In a patient with T1 disease, a clinician should perform repeat transurethral resection of the primary tumor site to include muscularis propria within six weeks of the initial TURBT. Intravesical therapy. 15. 
In a patient with suspected or known low or intermediate risk bladder cancer, a clinician should consider administration of a single postoperative installation of intravesical chemotherapy with gemcitabine or mitomycin C within 24 hours of TURBT. In a patient with a suspected perforation or extensive resection, a clinician should not use postoperative intravesical chemotherapy. 16. In a low-risk patient, a clinician should not administer induction intravesical therapy. 17. In an intermediate-risk patient, a clinician should consider administration of a six-week course of induction intravesical chemotherapy or immunotherapy. 18. In a high-risk patient with newly diagnosed CIS, high-grade T1, or high-risk TA urothelial carcinoma, a clinician should administer a six-week induction course of BCG. 19. In an intermediate-risk patient who completely responds to an induction course of intravesical chemotherapy, a clinician may utilize maintenance therapy. 20. In an intermediate-risk patient who completely responds to induction BCG, a clinician should consider maintenance BCG for one year as tolerated. 21. In a high-risk patient who completely responds to induction BCG, a clinician should continue maintenance BCG for three years as tolerated. BCG relapse and salvage regimens. 22. In an intermediate or high-risk patient with persistent or recurrent disease or positive cytology following intravesical therapy, a clinician should consider performing prostatic urethral biopsy and an upper tract evaluation prior to administration of additional intravesical therapy. 23. In an intermediate or high-risk patient with persistent or recurrent TA or CIS disease, after a single course of induction intravesical BCG, a clinician should offer a second course of BCG. 24. In a patient fit for surgery with high-grade T1 disease after a single course of induction intravesical BCG, a clinician should offer radical cystectomy. 25. A clinician should not prescribe additional BCG to a patient who is intolerant of BCG or has documented recurrence on TURBT of high-grade non-muscle invasive disease and or CIS within six months of two induction courses of BCG or induction BCG plus maintenance. 26. In a patient with persistent or recurrent intermediate or high-risk NMIBC within 12 months of completion of adequate BCG therapy with either two induction courses or one induction course plus maintenance, who is unwilling or unfit for cystectomy, a clinician may recommend clinical trial enrollment or offer alternative intravesical therapy, for example, valrubicin, gemcitabine, docetaxel, or combination chemotherapy, when clinical trials are unavailable. A clinician may also offer systemic immunotherapy with pembrolizumab to a patient with CIS within 12 months of completion of adequate BCG therapy. Role of Cystectomy in NMIBC 27. In a patient with TA low or intermediate risk disease, a clinician should not perform radical cystectomy until bladder sparing modalities, such as stage TRBT and intravesical therapies, have failed. 28. In a high-risk patient who is fit for surgery with persistent high-grade T1 disease on repeat resection or T1 tumors with associated CIS, LVI, or variant histologies, a clinician should consider offering initial radical cystectomy. 29. In a high-risk patient 
with persistent or recurrent disease within one year following treatment with two induction cycles of BCG or BCG maintenance, a clinician should offer radical cystectomy. Enhanced cystoscopy. 30. In a patient with NMIBC, a clinician should offer blue light cystoscopy at the time of TRBT, if available, to increase detection and decrease recurrence. 31. In a patient with NMIBC, a clinician may consider use of narrowband imaging to increase detection and decrease recurrence. Risk-adjusted surveillance and follow-up strategies. 32. After completion of the initial evaluation and treatment of a patient with NMIBC, a clinician should perform the first surveillance cystoscopy within three to four months. 33. For a low-risk patient, whose first surveillance cystoscopy is negative for tumor, a clinician should perform subsequent surveillance cystoscopy six to nine months later, then annually thereafter. Surveillance after five years in the absence of recurrence should be based on shared decision-making between the patient and clinician. 34. In an asymptomatic patient with a history of low-risk NMIBC, a clinician should not perform routine surveillance upper tract imaging. 35. In a patient with a history of low-grade TA disease and a noted subcentimeter papillary tumor, a clinician may consider in-office fulguration as an alternative to resection under anesthesia. 36. For an intermediate-risk patient whose first surveillance cystoscopy is negative for tumor, a clinician should perform subsequent cystoscopy with cytology every 3 to 6 months for 2 years, then 6 to 12 months for years 3 and 4 and then annually thereafter. 37. For a high-risk patient whose first surveillance cystoscopy is negative for tumor, a clinician should perform subsequent cystoscopy with cytology every three to four months for two years, then six months for years three and four, and then annually thereafter. 38. For an intermediate or high-risk patient, a clinician should consider performing surveillance upper tract imaging at one to two-year intervals. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.